Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today we are continuing our series, The Comeback. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. Well, if we haven't had a chance to actually meet, my name is Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Vertical Church. So glad to have you here uh, with us today. Whether you're sitting in the front or whether you're chilling out up in the balcony, that's awesome. Uh, I, could, I can barely see y'all, so wave at me. Up in the back. All right, good deal. Um, today, we're in week two of a series uh, that we started last week called The Comeback because we believe that whether you know Christ or whether you don't know Christ, um, He has orchestrated your steps, meaning He has directed you to this place at this time so you could begin a comeback in your life. Now, the way we're going to begin today is I've got to take a survey. And since I was able to see you wave, hopefully I'll be able to see you raise your hand to answer. I've got two questions. And the first one is this. You're in this room this morning. How many of you would admit that there is something in your life that you need to change? Would you raise your hand? It could be, you know, you might want to change your bank account, your, your weight. It might be you want to change your relationship, you know, whatever. I got, do it again. Raise your hand. Up in the, just because we can't see you great, don't mean you can't participate, okay? All right, that's most everybody. That's great. That means that what we're talking about today is relevant to our lives. Now, one last question is kind of a follow-up. Those of you that raised your hand, how many of you would say, I keep trying to change, but the more I try to change, the more I need to change? Would you raise, if, if that's you, I try to change, and the more I try, the more I discover I need. Okay, great. That's awesome. That's, that's me too. And, and, and kind of the question that's driving this whole thing is, is maybe if you're trying to change, like I'm trying to change, and all the changing we're trying to do, we discover not really changing at all. Maybe that's because we need to change the way we change. Now, if you're not already, like if your mind isn't already flipping around like crazy because we're using change so often, just hold on. Because it's going to get even better with the mind benders that we have rocking today. Well, in the church, you know, the church is committed to this idea of change. I mean, that's what, that's what we preach week in and week out. And I wonder sometimes, is the way that we approach change, does it lead us to try to change in a way that God never intended? Because we use, the, we use this word when we talk about change in the church world. Uh, if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for several years, uh, you might use this word repentance. You might say, I need to repent. You, you might be using that to just the same way of saying, I need to change. You know, in fact, Jesus' first words when he went on the scene, when he went public, his first words <clears throat> were repent for the kingdom of heaven. Has come near. Hey, Dave, if you wouldn't mind running out and grabbing me a water, my uh, allergies have been acting up, and I don't want to like destroy your ears with the coughing. You can hear it, right? <coughs> hey, sound guys, uh, do me a favor. If you see me put my hand up, like mute it real fast. I'll cough, and we'll come back. Anyway, well, let's try to keep on going till I get that water, and, and hopefully after then it'll all be good. Jesus says, "Repent for the kingdom." Of heaven is near. Matthew chapter 4, I believe verse 17. So this idea of repent, this idea of change is probably something that we should get a handle on. It's probably something that we should 
understand and um, comprehend. And a lot of times we, we act like all Jesus meant by the word repent was change. As if Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 4 and he says, change! Y'all need to change. Tired of you. You need to get better. You need to improve. You need to change. All y'all people need to change. You need to improve yourself. And you know, I don't think that's what Jesus, I don't think that's what Jesus meant. Because sometimes we talk about repentance in ways that we don't need Jesus for. We, we talk about repentance and change in ways that Jesus doesn't matter. He's not important. We talk about, we talk about as Christians, you know, we'll, we'll be you know, chatting with a friend or a neighbor. And, and if we get a lot of boldness, we might look at them and say, you, know, you need to turn your life around. And they're kind of thinking, well, I would if I could. Well, you think I've been doing trying to do this? You think I'm just trying to waste my life? You turn your life around. Or, or we'll be talking to a friend, and they're like, man, I'm really going through a, a struggle right now. I've got this, I got this issue I just can't seem to, seem to get over. I can't seem to overcome it. I can't seem to get, you know, if we're real, like, using Christianese, we're like, I can't get any victory in my life. And, and we'll ask them, we'll say, well, have you prayed? Like, yeah, I prayed. And, and nothing changed? No. Well, have you been reading your Bible? Yeah, I've been, I've been reading my Bible. Because we act like change is based on something that we do and not based upon Jesus. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look at him like, you're still struggling? Well, well I've been around you. When are you going to stop cussing? And we're like, I'm going to stop. Right? So we act like, we act like, Change and repentance is just, is just based out of fear. A lot of people change because they're afraid. A lot of people change because they want to have different kind of behavior. I'm going to change because if I don't change, dude, me and my wife are getting divorced. Really? That's why you need to change? And that's, you're going to change based upon that because that's a fear and you don't want to experience that fear, so you're going to change. And what happens is we need to change but the way we change doesn't lead to change. Because if we don't change the way God, God leads us to change, then our change doesn't last. I told you, the mind benders are going to be crazy. If you're taking notes, just try to keep up. And if by some chance we change through discipline and behavior modification and trying really, really hard, well, then that change just leads to arrogance. And we look down upon everybody else that can't change. Well, I did. I changed. Why can't you change? You need to change. But most of the time, actually, what happens is we preach this, this message, change. You need to change your life. And then people are like, yeah, you're right. I need to change my life. I need to come back. I need to, I need to make a difference. I need... And because we don't actually share with them the agent of change, they leave discouraged and disappointed thinking that the only thing we have to offer is the same thing they can find in a self-help book at the bookstore. So, everybody's real excited. Let's open up to Luke chapter 24. The very last part of that chapter, we're going to read that together. And I'm actually going to read this week out of the New King James Version. Okay, I'll tell you why here in just a second. 
you didn't have a Bible with you today, that's totally cool. If you don't have a Bible, period, stop by the VIP area uh, when you leave today. We can, we can put one in your hands. But if you didn't bring it today, that's cool. Uh, the scriptures are going to be above my head on the screen. You can also follow along on your phone or tablet uh, with the YouVersion app. Uh, just search for Vertical in the live link, and you'll find the scriptures and notes there. So this is really cool, right? This week uh, on Wednesday was National Pirate Day. Uh, I don't know. I, Talk Like a Pirate Day, something like that. It was something about pirates. And Wednesday is also the day that I do most of my studying for this, next, this coming Sunday. And so in honor of National Pirate Talk Like a Pirate Day, every point is going to revolve around the letter R. Get it? R, right? It's going to be great. That's why, honestly, that's why we're reading out the New King James Version today because it, it, it works. All right, here we go. What kind of church is this? Preacher centered all his points around the letter R because it was pirate week. All right. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself, himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. Jesus said, Peace to you because they didn't have any peace. Right? This is after Jesus has resurrected. Uh, he's already died on the cross. He's resurrected and they're thinking they're seeing a ghost. And Jesus says, hey, chill out, I'm not a ghost. Verse 38, and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you doubt, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence, which, by the way, gives me great confidence that we will indeed be able to eat in heaven. <laughs> Except you eat all the food you want and no calories. Heaven, right? Come on. All right. Verse 44. Here's actually where we're going to start focusing in on this. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. If you're an underliner, you might want to start by underlining that. We're going to come back to it here in just a second. Verse 46, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And here we go. Here's our two R words. R. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The church has one message, one sermon. One thing that we're supposed to preach time and time again to everybody on the planet. That there is repentance and remission of sins possible in Jesus Christ. In other words, there is a complete and total life change. If we want to use the word that we're using this morning, because in repentance and remission, there is this concept of change, this, this different, we preach change. And so I need to change and you need to change. We all need to change, but we aren't changing. 
Maybe we need to change the way we change. That's the last mind bender for the day, okay? Did you get that? You need to change, I need to change, we all need to change, or we're not changing. Maybe we need to change the way we change. So what I want to do this morning is I want to define those two words for you, repentance and remission. All day today, hopefully when you leave, you will know what it means to repent, what it means to have your sins remitted. So let's start with repentance. If you're a note taker, you're going to want to write this sentence down. Repentance is not remorse and resolution, but realization and returning. I told you, everything starts with the letter R. Isn't that great? It's awesome. Pirate week, come on. Repentance is not remorse and resolution. There, there, a lot of people in our, in our world and in our church world believe that repentance begins with remorse. And sure, in repentance, there is this, there is this sorrow, this, this, this feeling bad about what we've done, but that's not repentance. Repentance is not remorse and resolution. Let me show you what that looks like. Have you ever seen this? This is somebody repenting. Man, I feel bad about what I did. I feel terrible. I will never do that again. That's not repentance. That's not repentance. And some of you in your life, you discover, I need a comeback. I need to change. I feel terrible about the way I'm living. I will never do that again. And you think you've repented. But that's not repentance. Do you know that most people feel remorse when they do something wrong? I mean, we don't live in a world populated by all of the, the, the centerpieces of criminal minds. We don't live in a world full of psychopaths and sociopaths that feel no remorse. Most people feel bad when they do something wrong. I mean, not a lot of wicked, evil people in the world. Sinful, yeah, but most people feel bad. But remorse and resolution, that's not repentance. It's, it is appealing to ourselves, and it's really appealing to other people. It's appealing when somebody's done you wrong, and they feel bad, and they make some kind of, you know, pithy statement about never doing it again. That feels good to ourselves. We like to see people feel bad, you know. You do this with your kids if you have kids. I do, we did it yesterday to our kids, right? You, do you see what you did? I can't believe you would do Why would you do that? My, my youngest son, Cole, he threw one of, my, one of my older son's Lexus Legos in the toilet. And we're like, why did you do that? You should feel terrible. Don't you feel bad? Now, what, let me hear you. I will never do that again. That's not repentance. It's not. Because here, catch, catch this. I don't need Jesus to feel bad and to make some, you know, blanket statement about what I'll never do again. I don't need Jesus for that. I don't need Jesus to make me feel bad. That's not repentance. So what is repentance? Repentance is realization and returning. So let's dive into those two R words. Realization, if you're, you know, you've been in the church world a long time, you might think of the word revelation. It's realization. Repentance begins with realization, but check this out. It's not about realizing anything about you. It's 
Repentance begins when the lights come on about who God is through Jesus Christ. Repentance begins when people realize who Jesus is. I mean, most people have heard about Jesus. In our country, in our part of the world, most people have heard about Jesus. They're, you know, they grew up Methodist or Presbyterian or, or Baptist or Pentecostal or Catholic, whatever. They've heard about Jesus. They know the concept of Jesus. But did you know when Jesus steps on the scene in ancient Israel and he says, repent, the, the Hebrew Greek mind of the time would have heard something like that. They wouldn't have heard just change. Y'all need to change. They would have heard Jesus saying, look again so you can change your mind. I want you to change the way you're thinking by looking again. Look at what again? Look at the Old Testament again. Look at the prophets again. Look at me again, Jesus would say. Look again. And so our passion is to tell people, hey, hey, you need to look again at Jesus. You need to look again at God. He's actually better than you think. He's better than you can even imagine. Why don't you stop and look at Jesus again? Why don't you, you to stop and look at Jesus? We have a misunderstanding of what repentance is. You could, as if repentance is something and realization is something we can do apart from God. Did you catch that? The first thing that I said, hey, you want to stop there and underline that? Did you notice what happened? It says he opened their understanding. You know what that means? He gave them the gift of realizing who he was. He opened their understanding so that they could see that this is all about Jesus. Because repentance begins when we realize who God is. And it's a, that is a gift from God. You can't, you can't force that. No amount of preaching and teaching and evangelism can force you into the realization of who Jesus is. So what we do as a church is we tell the good news. We tell the story. We share how God has moved in our lives. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would take those things and explode them in the hearts of men and women. You can't force realization. You can force change. You better change or I'm moving out. You can force change. You better change or you're going to die. You can force change. Your doctor can tell you, you better change or you're going to die. All right. But that's change through fear. And my fear is that we're telling people to change, but we're not telling them, hey, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is the way you change. It's all about Jesus. And so not only is it begins with realizing who God is through Jesus, but then it goes to returning. Repentance for the human being is going back home. It's going back home. You know, a lot of times we talk about repentance and we, we just say, you've got to turn from. You need to turn from your sin. There's no power in that. Can I tell you that? There's no power in turning because look, I can turn just to turn. I'm turning. I'm turning right now. There's no power in turning. Think about Think about the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. If, you're, if you went to like vacation Bible school as a kid, you probably heard the story about the prodigal son. If you watch TV, they're like, the prodigal son? Anyway, think about that story. 
Because a lot of times we think it's just about individual people, but really it's a huge story about all of humanity returning back to God the Father because we've left God the Father. Repentance isn't just turning. Repentance is returning. Because you can turn just to turn. And when you turn, you're not turning anywhere on purpose. But when you return, you're actually going somewhere. You're actually headed in a direction. And Christians say all the time, we have to turn from sin, and that's so secondary. Can I be honest with you? Returning from sin is so secondary. It's like the byproduct of turning towards Jesus. Returning to God. Nobody got any traction in their life by turning from something. You've tried that. You've tried to change just to change. You've tried to change by turning away from something that you don't like. And let me, let me guess what happened. Not much. But when you have something to turn towards, when you have something to return to, oh, there's traction there. There's power there. Repentance is always more about from than to. Let me, let me, let me try to, that didn't, let me see how I can uh, say this. Repentance is always to, that's a better way to say it. I've totally messed that up. Forget what I said just a second. Repentance is always to before from. It's always to. It's always to. The power of repentance is in the to, not the from. Think, again, think about the prodigal son. What does he do? He's sitting there. Uh, if you don't know the story, the story basically goes, uh, prodigal son, uh, hey, dad, give me everything that I, I'm going to inherit later. He goes off, wastes it, and he's sitting with the pigs in the slop, right? What does he do? He's sitting there and he says, oh, man, dad's house is so good. You know, he, he looks at the pigs and he looks at the slop and he thinks about his dad's house and he says, there's no comparison. And what does he do? He gets up and he returns home. He returns home because Romans 2.4 tells us that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Realizing who God is, and he's loving, and that he's kind, and that he's compassionate, that leads us to repentance by going back to him. So many times we just focus on the pigs and the slop. Can we just stop preaching about the pigs? Can we just preach about how beautiful Jesus is? Man, Jesus is great. Listen, I don't know where you came from this morning. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you did in your past. But I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And he doesn't care about all of that junk that happened before right now. He wants you to realize who he is. And he wants you to return home to him. And so our message is that. It's, it's turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look full. What does the old hymn say? Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth, the things of this world, grow strangely dim. Why? Because we're looking at Jesus. Looking at Jesus. And with all of our technology and all of our wonderful sermons and, and statements, we're completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit to bring about those two things, realization and the inspiration to return. That's repentance. Realizing who Jesus is and returning home. But that's not all, all that Jesus says. That's not all that he said we're supposed to preach. We preach that. Hey, realize who Jesus is. Go back home. But we also preach remission. And remission is a fancy New King James word for forgiveness, but it worked better because of the pirate thing. So that's why we chose the passage. 
Remission, again, this is something you might want to write down. Remission is not relief and regrouping, but removal and releasing. Y'all, that is, that, that's 10 R words. And nobody's impressed. We see forgiveness and remission a lot of times as this momentary relief or in this opportunity to regroup and start over. As if, as if all Jesus did was wipe, uh, wipe the present issue away and cover it. Like all Jesus did was threw a blanket over your junk. That's kind of how I used to clean my room as a teenager. My mom would tell me, Josh, go clean your room. I shove everything under the bed and in the closet. It's clean. Some of y'all got kids that do that, right? It's clean. And she goes in there and she looks under the bed. It's not clean. Your junk's still here. And a lot of times we think about forgiveness from God like that. As if, as if all God does is take a big blanket over your junk and my junk and just cover it up. Well, I can't see it because I put a blanket on it. Or we'll get real spiritual and say, you know what, Jesus, he, his blood just covers it. It's still there. You're still a crappy person, but it's his blood that covers it up. Listen, that's not, that's so lame. If that's, what all, if that's all Jesus did for me, man, that stinks. If all he can do is just cover it up. If all he can do is just act like he, it's not there again. And then just, hey, all right, now you got another chance to start over. That's so weak. That's weak forgiveness. Because true forgiveness, true remission is the power to overcome sin. Overcome your junk. The power to actually be a different person. Behold, all things are new. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone, gone, away, left, gone. The new has come. A lot of people think if you preach forgiveness this way, people want to sin more, but I don't think so because you're talking about how beautiful and wonderful God is. And people are like, wow, God is that awesome, that's wonderful, and they actually sin less. But anyway, forgiveness is removal and releasing. It's removal. It's complete and total removal. Forgiveness literally means, remission literally means he sends it away. It's away. Where does he say away? Psalm chapter 103, uh, I believe it's verse 12, says as far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our transgressions for us. In other words, as far as possible, so that the two would never meet again, he sent it away. Away. He removed it. You might remember it, but God cannot. All that junk that you did when you said, Jesus, would you forgive me? And he said, yes. He re- removed it. He didn't stuff it under your bed. He didn't cover it up with a blanket. It's gone. It's gone. It's done. It's not temporary relief. It's full and complete removal. It's Gone. This is what God has done for us. And some of us in this room need to quit living like we're in close proximity to our past. As if somehow that our past failures are greater than what the removal that Jesus can do. Some of us are living so close to that junk, we don't understand that's gone forever. It's not who you are anymore. Listen, I don't know what you did in your past. It's, It's gone. 
You ask Jesus to forgive you, if you become a follower of Christ, it is gone. Forever. Gone. Removed. Far as the east is from the west, done. It's not who you are, and it does not define you. And I don't care how many Christians have looked at you cross-eyed like you're the big pink elephant in the room because you don't belong because of all the junk that you did. You belong here. You belong among the redeemed of God because Jesus removed your sin. You belong. I don't care how many people look at you weird. They're wrong. Because what God does... He completes and he finishes. He doesn't do it halfway. He doesn't remove your sin halfway. But not only does he remove it, but he also releases. It's not like you just got a second start. It's not like you just get an opportunity to go again. He actually sets you in a new free place where you can be free. It's releasing. See, some of you think that you're free, but you're not. Your chains are just longer than ours. But what Jesus offers in remission of sins is complete removal and freedom. Freedom. Freedom to not be controlled by your addictions and your cravings. Freedom. To not be led by your desires and the lusts of your heart. Freedom. Freedom to not spend another day in shame and condemnation. I'm, I don't know what it is about right now in my life, but I'm so stinking mad condemnation, tricking people like a drug. It's crazy. It's like condemnation leads us to believe that our sin is greater than the grace that God provides. As if somehow that our past can, can change what Jesus did for us on the cross. Where do we get off having more faith in our junk than we do in Jesus? So stinking mad. Because we got people terrified. Living in fear, afraid they're going to mess up, afraid they're going to ruin their life. And, and they're so scared of making a wrong move and making a wrong choice and going in the wrong direction. We have more faith in our ability to, to veer away from God than in God's ability to keep us on the path. So, like, uh, ugh. Since when was the gospel about your performance and my performance? Your behavior and my behavior. I thought the gospel was about Jesus. So, so ticked off. People live scared. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're living afraid. Either in condemnation or fear. Jesus offers repentance and remission. Jesus offers the opportunity to realize who he is, return home, have all of that junk removed, gone, forever, done away with. And the freedom to be who he created you to be. That's repentance and remission of sins. It's not remorse and resolution. It's not, it's not that. It's not temporary relief and regrouping. 
It's the opportunity to actually be made new. You know, last week I said that 2013 is on its way and some of y'all got really stressed. Now it's even closer. Less than 100 days away, right? Here's what's going to happen in just a few months. People are going to come to the end of 2012 and they're going to bring their remorse for 2012. And when they step into 2013, they're going to bring their resolutions. Dear God, may our message be bigger than that. May our message be bigger than remorse and resolution. I hope that this time next year, I hope you're sitting in a vertical church worship experience in September of 2013. And you just stop for a second to take inventory of your life and you're like, I've changed. I, I wasn't even thinking about change. I was thinking about Jesus. I wasn't even focused on change. I was just looking at Jesus. And look, I'm a better dad. I'm a better worker. I'm a better employee. I'm a better wife. I'm a better husband. I've, I've changed. But I never tried to change. I just tried to look at Jesus and focus on him. One last scripture and we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians 3.18. I believe this is how, this is, this is change. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. What that means is all of us together, with nothing, nothing obscuring our view of Jesus. Listen to what happens when we can stare and think about how good he is and how great he is and we're just focused on Jesus. We all are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Friends, that is true change. You know how it comes about? Staring at Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we... Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.